it's all good. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is me. Yes. Hello, breadheads. Gather round. It is time to join the gluten gang. You are listening to Hold My Bread, the $13,640 podcast. I'm Joe Walkowski, half of your host team. Let's carbo load, friends. I'm happy to be here. We're hot off the heels of the congressional hearings. Um, for our guy, Keith Gill, a.k.a. DFV, a.k.a. Deep Fucking Value. What a great name. And the enemy, the nemesis, the man I hate the most these days, Vlad. I refuse to learn how to say his last name. Um, that just ended. It was like a four and a half hour journey, and I watched a lot of it. There's a very, It's a lot of dense, deep stuff, and this is only the beginning. So we're going to try and talk as best we can about what's going on with it. And I've got some opinions on GameStop and what's going on. Before we get into those, I just want to say I've been a little bit distracted on recent episodes. And that's actually because of some pretty cool stuff we have going on. I, you know, we've been trying to advance a project we talked about on this very program a few weeks ago. I will be sharing the application materials on our Patreon shortly. So if you are one of those people, thank you so much. We do appreciate you. We'll get Hold My Bread brand lighters out to you ASAP. Send us your address. But um, yeah, some cool stuff. It's been required a little bit out of me. So Mr. Backus will be taking the reins on this one. And obviously this did affect the market today. We're, we're seeing declines across the board, lots of red, and this is partially because of this, partially because anytime financial legislation is on the table, this is how the markets react, and uh, maybe people are banding about the idea that maybe short positions should have a little bit more transparency with them. Yeah, it's definitely making people a little scared. Obviously, these are not necessarily retail investors that are scared. It's the big boys that are scared. Uh, I think they get a little nervous. You know, it's the kind of thing where you throw it around. Not even that this is being thrown around, but a lot, it was being thrown around, I guess. We'll talk about it. But taxes. Anytime you bring up taxes, everybody, all the, all the rich people get scared um, about that. So I think that's kind of affecting it a little bit. But we do have a, uh, an episode um, to, uh, to talk about today. We, um, I, I don't know. I just saw this. I thought this was good. So one of the things that stood out to me was, it seems like, obviously, the the CEO of Reddit uh, was on there, and he was very, very cool. He was very nice. He was talking about Wall Street bets, the Reddit that I've been on for a long time. We have been on for a long time. Uh, and he said that while Wall Street bets is an eccentric group of people, they're not violating any of the rules or terms of service of the Reddit, uh, which I think is great. Um, I also thought it was interesting that our boy Keith Gill was on there and was one of the only people telling the truth uh, during these hearings, they had um, people from what is it, Citadel and Melvin that were on there, and they're doing the regular, you know, the the not to be, you know, a, such a homer for Keith Gill, but that's our guy. He's our guy. He's he's uh, he's not done anything wrong, and he's up there and he's telling the truth. When you have Vlad, um, and I know I talked to one of you in the comments or during in, in my DMs on Instagram. Um, which are always open if you're willing to talk about stock stuff. I'm not interested in any of your nudes. And uh, But you can send those to me. I'll give you a genuine critique. And if you send me your nudes, like, I won't be offended. I'll probably 
honestly, I'll probably just send you a workout plan back and my own nudes as well, just showing that I've implemented that. Um, I got tricked. How it could work for you? I like that. I, I got tricked. I love being naked. Actually, I perform naked everywhere, and I got pranked by this. Oh yeah, I was supposed to be part of that prank, but I got added onto a Twitch, uh, a stand-up show on Twitch. I couldn't, I couldn't come. Well, how did that go for you? It was so funny, and like, okay, not to derail the episode is pretty much that's all I've done so far is I messed up the recording, I messed up your intro, and now I'm derailing your content, but. Hey, what it is. Okay, so my buddy, Ben, he's an amazing artist. You can check out his Insta, The Flip is Flip Books. Back in January, he asked me to be a model for an erotic Valentine's Day portrait class. And I was down with it. We came up with a little bit. And unbeknownst to me, the class was canceled. And rather than tell me, he got members of my family friends I grew up with to be on the zoom. I'm naked. I have fruit covering my genitals. And I talked deeply and impassionately about how much I enjoyed eating sweet potatoes. It was very genuine and (laughs) true. And I truly sounded like an insane person. And then everyone's just staring at my hog. And that's what's a great prank. It's funny to me. It plays my nature against myself. If you do that to anyone else, it's assault. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when Gabby first told me that this prank was going to happen, uh, I was like, initially, absolutely. And then I thought about it more and I thought, this is Joel is one of the only people that this can happen to because for anybody else, this would be a traumatic experience that they would be upset with for a very long time. Yeah. And like, you know me, like, I want people to know what my body looks like. So yeah, you work hard for that money. You know, you got to show it off. And, you know, it's just like, oh, what? Am I going to be insecure about the vessel that I am burdened to walk the earth with my entire time here? I got tons of other things to be insecure about. So I was all good with it. But let's talk about these congressional hearings. Um, will you give like a brief synopsis in case some of our older listeners don't know what's going on? Well, so there was obviously we did a lot of episodes about this when it was going on, but there was the whole Reddit uh, Wall Street bets grew and grew and grew. It's it's gone to like 9.1 million members when I remember being a member when it was you know 750,000. Um, and then there was the Robinhood shutting down and making it so you can only sell your GameStop shares and AMC shares and BlackBerry shares, basically what were designated meme stocks. Yeah. They were making it so you could only sell and you couldn't buy. And they kind of like DFV. For those who don't know, he's the one who kind of found out the proprietary analysis. He saw the short. He took a huge position and he spread the word about that as well as like the kind of past behavior of these people taking the short position. So it kind of rallied a lot of interest. And yeah, and and the re I mean, and we're talking DFV. He Keith Gill has. I mean, he has held this whole time. So he, I think his average price per share is about $13. Um, So he is still way up, but there was a point where he was, you know, up almost what, like 12, 13, 14. I think it was 50 actually. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if it was that high. So there was a point where he had about $50 million profit. He was cruising and he has not sold. Uh, So he has watched his profit just tank and tank and tank. And it's interesting because one of the um, senators asked him, 
yes or no. And this is another thing that I want to talk about too later is, you know, they're doing these hearings. And again, Keith is the only one telling the truth. They're asking these people for yes or no answers. And he's the only one that's giving them yes or no. Uh, and that's it. Uh, but they said, would you buy this stock? And he said, yes. And I am, I mean, it's so, again, we're not telling you to buy. We're not telling you, we're telling you to do your own research. We're hopefully giving you the skills to do some of this, but I myself am probably going to dip back into GameStop. Uh, deep fucking value. Keith has not sold. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen soon. It might take a year. It might take months, but um, I, I'm going to get back in on, on GameStop. I think it's on sale right now. It's so cheap. But it's crazy. I, how much is it going per share? Um, I don't even know. Let me look. I think it is. If I had to guess, I'd say it's around $50, $40. But I mean, uh, retail brick and mortar, like this was a statement the entire time. This was an act of financial activism. And that's why I think it's really cool that Keith didn't cash out. Because if you're really going to make a movement substantial and make a statement, there's no greater support for it than, you know, viewing what you're saying as more important than your profits. So he put right. the movement over his own interests and that's what really gets something to take off and resonate with people. At least that's how it resonates with me. I agree with that. And if you look at, I mean, look at, look at this thing. If you really drill down, this is a guy that like he had, he has more knowledge about the stock market and stuff than the senators he's talking to, I would imagine. And he has upended his entire life. You know, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, he's just a guy that made a YouTube video talking about GameStop. And now he's sitting in a Senate hearing. Uh, it's crazy to, to think about. And so, and the fact that he hasn't sold through all of it is wild. And one thing I thought that was interesting. And one thing I thought was cool is they asked him they said is there anything that you would like to get out that you haven't really had the chance to get out and he just said well first I, I just want to talk about how you know this is an the the whole stock market is risky it is dangerous it is something that you need to do your own research and 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 take responsibility for yourself and things like, and he really drove drove home the fact and this thing that we try and drive home on this podcast is it's like we can do the research and we can give you what little information we have but we are not telling you what to do and only you can do those things for yourself and i think that's an example of what he was what he was showing um and i will say I, just in following this story from you know when it took off to these hearings today there was an amount of fraud admitted to on national television by behalf of the institutions that even in the worst cases of like, oh, Russian stock traders, no, of like people like manipulating the price, the so much more wrong has been admitted to publicly in keeping this stock price down than anything in regards to inflating it. Like, absolutely. They admitted that this price restrictions stopped this stock from hitting thousands of dollars right I when everyone was in on it. So that's mm -hmm. profit taken away via corporate action from hundreds of thousands of people who decided to be a part of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did see that the other day. They had somebody on CNBC that was like, if they hadn't halted, and obviously nobody knows the future, but they said if they hadn't halted, there's a good, 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 good chance that this would have hit $1,000 per share. Um, and I, I agree. I mean, I think that um, the whole thing is, it's, 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 it's crazy to see how the blatant 
um, in your face. You know, it's out in the air. It's no longer in the shadows. It's funny, too, because one of the things that kept being brought up on the center's uh, side is people were asking about, do you think this is opening up a window for potential, like, people outside of the country and, and quote unquote bad actors to like influence the market and things like that. It's like, it's happening already. It's happening there right now. There are bad actors. Come on. Would Palantir has been the hottest stock of the past six months. What, what do they make their profits off of? The bad actors are right in front of us. They are the machine. Right. But in their eyes, it's only bad if they're manipulating the market negatively. And here's the deal. Uh, Palantir's making money. And here's the deal. We saw huge screw-ups on the behalf of Wall Street in 1987, 2000, 2008, 2012. None of these met were met with any meaningful legislation. We never investigated the airline shorts that were in place before 9-11. So here we have the force of the entire American government cracking down on the individual investor at literally the first infraction. That's crazy to me. That's a microcosm of really every belief I have about economics and politics and how they intersect to kind of keep a lot of people from reaching their economic potential in a nutshell. Right. And you've seen, I mean, you've seen the big short at the end of big, the big short spoiler. If you haven't seen the big short, it's a great movie. I definitely recommend it. But if you haven't seen big, the big short, there's a part where they talk about how throughout all the housing crisis, all that stuff, one person, one wall street person went to jail. One, one of them, only one of them went to jail. And it's just so insane. I saw this too. What the Minnesota Senator said that uh, this is becoming escalated and this is becoming such a big deal because, you know, people are out here trying to make money and it shouldn't matter. The fact that they're also enjoying taking on a hedge fund. He said that he was like, just because they're enjoying taking on a hedge fund doesn't make this uh, worse. And I, I loved that because I absolutely, I agree just because you take enjoyment of it doesn't mean it's, even worse it doesn't make it bad all right fuck you like <laughs> sorry I, I don't know and here's the deal it's like this entire market as is has kind of been expanded over the past three four decades to include options derivatives bound mortgages and the way wall street operates now is so far away from like its origins where like Worthy companies get an infusion of capital and find better success. And the investor gets a piece of that company. That's not the case whatsoever. And the whole thing is set up where people can make every dollar they could possibly make. And in that pursuit, everything else is compromised. There are no values. There are no systems. There's no real governing with that being the underlying ethos. Right. And it's interesting to to see that um, I, they, they talked a lot about options and the ability to trade options and the threshold required. That's the thing that, that annoyed me so much is not only uh, I mean, I know my hair is long in quite the state these days, but mine, Vlad's too, in case uh, the podcast listeners are wondering down to yeah. my ass. Yeah, I'm a bald uh, man. Vlad was dodging questions left and right. The most bullshit uh, Joel, ask me a question. Ask me a question. Okay, question. so what prompted the trading restrictions on the Robinhood platform as the GameStop shot, stock shot up? Well, thank you. I just want to say that I really appreciate such an extraordinary question. And before I address that, I would like to address this. 
And what I'd like to address is the fact that I'm not going to address your question at all because I have five. It's just he was just bullshitting the whole time. There were no yes or they'd be like, give us a yes or no. And he would dodge around. They have a limited amount of time and he would spend half the time. Every question he was asked was, thank you for such a good question. What a bunch of bullshit. An, an absolute knob. This guy, I cannot stand the man. Um, and the reason they stopped, he kept saying, because they didn't have the liquidity. They were they were worried about the liquidity. They were worried, worried about new deposits. And it's basically him just saying, we weren't helping the hedge funds but directly, but what we did did help the hedge funds. That's what bothers me a lot about it is he they, they were trying to like – they were like, we weren't directly doing it. It's like, but your actions helped them, didn't they? And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, but we weren't trying to. It's like, okay, that doesn't matter. And there was a problematic relationship between Robin Hood and the major hedge funds that we talked about on this podcast in freaking July. I don't know how we're not a bigger podcast. I know we've got like slightly under a thousand normal listeners, but if you've been hanging out with us, you've made $30,000 in the past couple months. You've known about these stories and these, and these insights back to the summer. And it just feels like the media, the government, it's all complicit in making sure no actual attention goes on how these companies are operating. Right. And well, and to bring it back to options a little bit and to talk about the stories we've already hit on, um, I'm, gosh, I feel bad. I do not remember his name, but we talked about that kid that traded options. He was 17 years old or maybe he was 18. I can't remember, but he, he was trading these options and there was a glitch on the Robin hood. And it said that he had almost owed what well, something insane, like almost a million dollars. And he took his own life um, because of that. And they asked the Robinhood CEO about that. And he just said, first of all, I want to uh, thank you for an extraordinary question. No, he didn't say that. But he said that I want to, uh, you know, acknowledge how sad it is and how it affected all of our company. But he didn't take any responsibility. Uh, it was just such a bullshit answer. But we were on that story the day it happened. Uh, and Alex I, I, Kearns, may he rest in peace. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? That's been a reaction to terrible financial news for Robin hood to have an air message that results in a suicide is blood on their hands. A hundred percent. And it's no different than Uber killing a homeless lady with a car and us going, Oh cool. Let's let them influence the laws that are placed in California. Let's right. have this company that's trying to replace a workforce and killing individuals in the process determine how labor will be legislated in perpetuity while subjugating a huge amount of the workforce. You want to talk about companies making people commit suicide? Look at how many taxi drivers who sunk their family's worth into medallions taking their own lives over the past five years. So there's a lot of damage attached to these companies. And that's why we do this show, because... You really have to look at what's going on. You really have to look at what these companies are doing. And we don't know the score. We don't have the tools to know the score. And like, so the thing we we're working on the past couple of days, private prison stocks, right? Right. Not to spoil it, but like most people who own private prison stocks, they don't even know it. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, people don't drill well, and also people that are invested. And I know we've talked about them before, but robo investors—they mentioned this during the hearing, but they said almost half of all trading is done by computers and and investors that are like basically robots that are investing and they're using algorithms to determine the the right times to sell and the right times to buy in. Well, there's a is, there's a difference between robo advisors and high speed frequency trading because high speed frequency trading—that's what screws over everybody. Robo investors, they kind of buy and hold high speed frequency. They're selling on the spike. They're buying again on the drop and they're doing it with huge quantities at huge frequencies. And if you've got the right computing speed, you're going to make a profit while the rest of the market takes a loss on your very behaviors. And okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, so I did know that, but I didn't realize they were, I guess I didn't realize that how different they were. Like the um, hedge funds have their power. Hedge funds have their success because they have the economic weight to move the market. And all this was, was a group of individuals behaving like a hedge fund because a hedge fund took a stupid position. How is that not reported on? These guys were so irresponsible when this is how they make their money. They make their millions off shorting stocks. They took an untenable position that was beyond irresponsible and it was public. Like this brilliant company that tells the world how shrewd they are, they didn't come up, they didn't imagine a scenario where people would work against them. Get right. out of here. They're the ones who screwed this up. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that I think, uh, I think it was AOC maybe that mentioned that, or a, a senator did mention that whole thing where it was like, didn't you realize you were taking such a huge risk and uh, you realized, you know, there was the potential for losses was so big and they're just, I don't know if hubris is the right, right word, but it's just like they had, they were so cocky in the fact that they couldn't lose. They were willing to do this. Um, and one thing that bothered me too a lot is uh, I think it was, I, I, again, I can't remember the senator, but sh they said, um, are you willing to admit any mistakes that you made uh, about, about doing during this like do you admit any mistakes and he said he takes responsibility for some missteps but when he was asked do you admit what do you admit to basically he said i admit um of course he said thank you for the question uh, it's an extraordinary question um and i admit to trying to i admit to trying to be too perfect which i mean if there was more if was there any more of a bullshit answer than that i admit for trying to be too perfect it's crazy uh to respond that way and, and think that's an answer i mean it's the kind of thing where if i had said that and he watched me say it, he would just laugh. Here's the deal. Okay, so all of these precautions and legislations and limits were put on this stock, and it was to protect Melvin Capital. How many people do you think work for Melvin Capital? It must be like ten to 15,000, right? Right. 32. Oh. <laughs> Come on. Incredible. Um, it's absolutely insane. So, and this is, like I said, this is only the beginning. I think, what is it in a couple days, they'll have another Senate hearing. I mean, this is just the beginning of it. I, and I'm excited to see what happens. And, um, I will be, uh, like I said, I think I will be buying some more GameStop. I don't know when, I don't know, uh, when it will, when it will pop off, but I know I've talked to a few friends of mine that are still holding. They've been holding through all the chaos. Um, but what's the, sell. what's the point if Melvin no longer has a position like, at that point, it does it does seem like this this was tied to a moment and let that spirit find other opportunities to take itself over. Like, isn't buying GameStop 
going back to visit your high school in your freshman year of college? I, but I just don't think it's over. I don't think this is done. I, I mean, you could be right. I mean, that was definitely a moment that we got to experience, and, and the momentum has certainly died a little bit. But I don't think the numbers, this whole thing comes down to the numbers. And I don't think from what I've seen, and I'm, this is going to take a lot more research on my end and a lot more you know, diving into it, but the numbers don't seem to have changed that much. The numbers don't seem to have changed enough to really, um, to really deter me away from believing this could happen again. Yeah, I mean, I understand, but wasn't this stock adequately valued in November? Is it four to six dollars a share for a video game store when people mostly download their video games these days? About the right price point for it, right? But I do think that, and this is actually the thing that uh, that Keith said. He said that you know they do have GameStop is going to pivot. There's a chance that GameStop pivots. They might move from brick and mortar to being a different company almost entirely. Uh, I mean, I'm still, you know, pretty bullish on BlackBerry. I think BlackBerry was a phone company. And I think now from what I've seen, they have a lot of cybersecurity stuff. Now that did turn into a meme stock, but they have pivoted. And am I saying that GameStop is going to pivot to be a cybersecurity company? Obviously not. But I do think that there's potential there if GameStop pivots. The BlackBerry thing, that was rooted in them having certain patents that will be valuable as... I believe crypto gets more mainstream. There's right. nothing in GameStop's asset chest that could be redeemed to change their balance sheets moving forward. Not that I know of, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Hey, I'm not saying it won't work. I'm just saying like if we're really going to be watching things and making these moves, isn't GameStop just a mascot for a movement rather than the movement? Oh, that's a very good way to put it. I mean, you, you know, it's just one of those things where for me, it's it's forty dollars, six forty sixty nine. So I'm willing to put some money into that to to lose it. I mean, I that's low enough for me to to, to lose. I'm forty sixty nine. It sounds like a divorcee's first date. <laughs> yeah, forty sixty nine. Leave me alone. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Like you said, I'm you know, do your own research as always. But it's getting to a point where. There are still a lot of people on Reddit holding. There are still a lot of people out there that have GameStop. There are still a lot of, there's a lot of short floats still out there. And uh, you have people that doubled down and have probably shorted the stock even more because they're expecting this to really fall out. And I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know. I mean, I'm down with you buying more of it, but I just think other opportunities will present themselves moving forward. And maybe there will be a bump. Let's watch it. But as related to this stock, like we talk all the time about how hard it is to get good financial information about any security. And the fact that, I mean, let's be completely honest here. If you bought the GameStop stock, odds are you don't know that much about investing. Odds are this is one of your first big plays and it's exciting. So I, I don't trust the news sources that are generating the information simply because the demographic of the Reddit has changed so much. Right. But that also kind of goes back to what I was saying about how um, the numbers don't lie. I mean, if you look at, of course, if you look at the news, you know, CSNBC, you can't trust it. All those companies back when this was all going on, were talking about how Melvin had covered their shorts and they hadn't. And all these people were covering their shorts and they hadn't. I mean, you can't trust that. But if you really look at the numbers that are available, uh, it seems like it's, that's, to me, that's the kind of, um, the kind of stuff that's hard to skew and hard to tilt in a certain way. But, you know, 
again, I think you're right. I think there is a, there's a group of people that this is their first involvement in the stock and they don't know really what's going on or, and they're just holding to hold. But I do think it's uh, not over essentially, uh, not the word, not essentially. I don't think it's necessarily over right now. Uh, I did see this is interesting too, because this kind of feeds into our podcast. Um, Can I have but- one point to counteract that? Sure. Yeah. Sure. You're following figures, but if you just look at their income statement, you can kind of see, oh, this is Blockbuster in 2003. Like that's what I looked at their financial statements before we went on. I don't see anything promising there. Any pivot puts them in a sector of the industry that they're wholly unfamiliar with and have no competencies in terms of like digital distribution and anything along those lines. I mean, look at their Twitter, look at their website. This is a dinosaur. And rather than becoming like a talking point, let's put it into obsolescence and give this bad boy the old yeller treatment while moving on to the next one. Are you playing me off right now? No, no, I, I, I do a template with the, with the garage band. So the, the songs oh. are there already. Oh, okay. I was saying, cause I hear, I just heard whispering in my ear. And I was like, this motherfucker's about to play me out. Like I'm a, like an award show. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on your best actor. Yeah. It's very happy. Um, well, and I, I just want to say this real quick about our podcast is one of the things they mentioned in the Senate hearing is that, uh, 50% uh, of the American people don't own stock, which I think is crazy. It's crazy low. I mean, do you, do you think so? No, because people are behind on bills. People, they have immediate expenses to pay. And like, come on, dog, we're from the Midwest. I have people in my family who can't own a stock because that means they're not going to eat. So, I mean, given the wealth inequality, I mean, yeah, I think that's a telling statistic, but it's more telling about the state of the world than the attention people pay to their finances. Because like, if we were really setting up individuals to thrive, wouldn't financial management be a class taught in high school? I mean, I do, yeah, that's a great point because I do think that financial literacy and and all that stuff is a problem. I took, you know, we all took economics in high school, but it doesn't. I don't feel like I, I'm used. I don't think I've used anything I've learned in economics in high school on this podcast. I don't think I've used anything I learned in economics in high school, in my real life, uh, necessarily. And I don't think I've used anything in, I've learned in economics in high school to help myself financially. Well, if, I mean, if you did use these things you learned in economics class, I mean, you would think GameStop was a worthless company. So that's helping you. <laughs> oh, laws of <laughs> supply and demand. Oh, there's no demand or need for this business. Got it. Yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so weird because I'm sitting in my master's finance class right as the GameStop thing is taking off. And it's just like, this is how you compute what a stock should be worth. It's like, wow, you want to talk about irrelevant. This education is the GameStop of like intellectual capital. Well, and we've talked about this before. I feel like we're like literally beating a dead horse, but like on paper, Tesla doesn't make much sense, but it's huge. It's successful. I think traditional and old school or whatever the stuff they toss in high school, that whole thing is not as relevant anymore. And by doesn't make sense on paper, he means you can't do the valuation equations on a financial calculator. 
Exactly. It can't be done. You got to give them to a computer. What? What? Um, well, I don't know. I think we're, that's a good spot to stop, right? We had a great time. This turned out so fun. I will have the Patreon stuff up tonight. Um, just a quick note. I am on vacation. Well, I was going to go on vacation next week. I had a trip booked to Houston, but, um, I'm off school and I'm off work. So maybe we'll put something out Tuesday. I'm, I'm around Tuesday. We can make that happen. Or yeah. otherwise, I trust Maddie to take the reins and put out something great for you guys. Yeah, that's great. I, I, we can definitely do that. And um, yeah, you're gonna go to Texas. You're gonna go to Houston and and uh, talk to Ted Cruz. I see. Yeah, I'm. A, if I see Ted Cruz, I'm gonna beat his ass. I don't. I'll, <laughs> I'll go to prison for uh, that. I shouldn't say. I mean, uh, beat his ass in a game of one-on-one -on -one basketball. I'm challenging him to. He played yeah, Kimmel yeah, before. I'm next. And the loser, uh, and, and whoever loses has to kiss his wife. Ooh. And um, I do know we have uh, listeners down in the affected areas. Hey, if you guys know some mutual aid that needs some uh, little effort, a little muscle, I am a worker. I'd be happy to do what I can for you guys. So if anything comes across your eyes, send it my way. I'll be there Wednesday through Sunday of next week. And it was going to be a fun trip. But if the opportunity arises, I'd love to help out. Yes, we love you in Texas. We're uh, we're hoping uh, things get better quickly. Um, yeah, the Patreon is uh, we we appreciate the support of the Patreon, um, and we appreciate the support on the podcast itself. Uh, we are going to get this stuff up. We're going to do. I think we should start doing video soon. We're going to do video soon for the pod, and I got a green screen. It's it's going to be great. All right, we will do that. But you know what? It's just about having the right conversations. I don't really care so much about the con the content content distribution model because I have a day job that makes me think about those things all the time so we will get there but Maddie is driving the train on those ones yeah we're a train we're a bus we're a plane my name's Gus it doesn't matter yeah and thank you for listening we love you John Candy's inside us all good night <laughs> bye